Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis. I'll have Jim Day, aka Fantasy Taz, join me for the first hour as we will talk NFL Draft and all of the action from last night in Round 1. Of course, you can find us at ScoutFantasySports.com as we have you covered for fantasy football, fantasy baseball, and you can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums. And if you're ready to draft, now is the time to head over to PlayFFWC.com as we have startup dynasty drafts, orphans, that you can take over and May Madness, obviously beginning on May 1st, where you can put down your deposit for the Fantasy Football World Championships in Las Vegas, which is a great time. If you haven't been out there, I recommend you make plans to come out there now. I've uh, been out there for the last two years, and it's been a lot of fun. And our uh, best ball drafts begin next week as well. Uh, first one is Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Still some spots left in that one, and we'll be talking about all those drafts right here on this the show, which you can catch weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. But uh, let's talk to my man, Jim Day, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz. Taz, what's going on today? Hey, Adam, how you doing? Dealing with a little bit of draft hangover. Yeah, for sure. You know, we all get excited. We're waiting for this day for so long. And then it comes. And then you had to wait like 15 minutes for the first pick, man. I had tweeted that out. It was like, really? Like 8 o'clock comes, okay. You know that the teams always milk down the clock, but then they did this uh, pregame ceremony, giving away yeah. tickets, and some giant fan either unfortunately or fortunately gets tickets for the next 100 years, which might make your lifespan last way less than 100 years with what's going on with the Giants now. But uh, finally, round one is in the books. Crazy round one, too. Uh, you know, I, I mean, a lot of good players fell. A lot of good players still on the board that many expected to go in the first round. It, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was a little unnerving watching it unfold after all the hype. You know, we expected a lot of, you know, trades to happen early in the draft and people trying to move up to get the quarterbacks. That never came to fruition. You know, finally at the end of the draft, we started seeing some trade hap- trades happen, but we were all expecting to see a lot of it in the, in the beginning of the draft, and it just didn't happen. We, you know, Jets looked like they were trying to trade down. Oakland looked like they were trying to trade down, yet they weren't getting many people a bite on those early picks. Yeah, I think people were expecting a lot of movement, and you're right, a lot of players fell, but – Uh, Let's kick it off. Uh, I know you're a Giants fan, and obviously they were one of the big topics of this draft last night. I had thought that they might take Daniel Jones with their second pick, and instead they shocked everyone by taking him sixth overall ahead of Dwayne Haskins. And I don't know if you've seen the video. They had Haskins' reaction when the Giants selected Jones, and he clearly was not pleased. And uh, I think a lot of Giants fans are very disappointed in this pick. Uh, what's your reaction to the Giants taking Daniel Jones from Duke, the quarterback, at number six overall? Well, I'm not very happy with it. I, I, I just don't think, 
he's that guy. He may turn out to be that guy. You know, if he gets on the bench, he learns a little bit more. You know, he, he's got some of the tools. He's not a perfect, you know, prospect, but nobody is. Definitely not Haskins. I had, you know, Jones higher than Haskins. I'm not a big Haskins fan either. So, you know, everybody applauding Washington for getting Haskins. But, you know, I just, I don't see it. He's no further a guarantee than Jones is to me at this point anyway. Um, but, you know, the, what I'm hearing, and this is, you know, from a very credible guy, uh, Ralph Acchiano, that run, writes for SNY, um, he swears that the Giants were convinced that Washington was going to move up to grab Jones, um, especially in front of the 17th pick. They were convinced that that was going to happen. They were even worried that they were going to move in front of the sixth pick to grab Jones, and that's why they made sure they had to get their guy. You know, And look, let's face it, if that's your guy, then you got to grab him. Same thing with fantasy drafts. If you got a guy, I don't care what ADP says, You know, I'm going to grab a guy that I, I want when he's there and he's available. And, you know... People can bash the Giants for making the pick all they like, and I have over the last day and a half while I'm trying to think of it. But the fact of the matter is we won't know for you know three to five years whether or not this is a good pick. Well, that's for sure, but obviously everyone is in the business of, uh, especially today, the reaction and giving our analysis on it. I, see, I don't buy that report because it basically, to me, seemed like Washington wanted Haskins. He's from the area. It seemed like he was their guy. So... Maybe the Giants got duped here. And when you read oh, yeah. some of the comments that Dave Gettleman says, my goodness. Yeah, well, like, that's a different right? story. I, I, how crazy is that? I was I didn't even read everything. I read some of them. And I'm like, this this can't be real. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if he really said those things. You know, I'm reading it. Like, I need to hear the audio because they're so mind-boggling. I mean, do you feel that way too? Oh, absolutely. First of all, you know, this is your guy, so you got to go get him. You spend a six pick on him and then basically tell the world, well, you know, it, it, he's going to be great for us, but he's going to sit behind Eli for three years. Say what? <laughs> so now you're telling Giants fans that we got to deal with Eli Manning for another three years before we even get to see this kid touch the field? Come on now. Um, whether it's true or not, I, I don't care. You don't say that on the night you draft the young kid, <laughs> first of all. And then, you know, to come out and say, oh, well, I didn't really see him playing the game, but, you know, I went to the senior bowl and I saw him for three series and he just struck me as such a professional quarterback and just a guy I fell in love with. And, you know, from everybody that I know that is much more of a draft nick than I am, uh, some of them even attended the, the Senior Bowl, said that Jones was like one of the worst quarterbacks in Senior Bowl practices all week. Um, his accuracy was off. He just didn't seem to have any kind of feel for what they were doing. Um, so, you know, for him to come out and say, oh, he fell in love with him at the, the Senior Bowl, like, what the heck were you doing the rest of the year? This was your job. You knew you needed a quarterback. You should have been following this kid all year long. What are you telling everybody that you didn't see him until the senior bowl? And that's why I get mad when a lot of people will say, well, it's their job. These guys know more than you. And I'm not saying, like, you know, we, a me, you, or fantasy analysts know more than these guys. But there's a lot of us who are putting a lot of time into this and know our stuff. Just because someone is paid by an organization to do that job does not mean they know what they're doing, as we've seen many franchises mess things up and make poor personnel decisions. And, you know, you are right. With Jones, like, we won't know. I think a lot of us don't see him being successful. Uh, he had the worst touchdown-to-interception ratio for any first-round quarterback since Jake Locker, and we know how that worked out. 
Uh, and now, to be fair, he didn't have much there at Duke. It wasn't a great uh, offensive line. He didn't have a lot of weapons. But he didn't put up big-time production in college. We know that. No. <laughs> well, yeah, look, let's face it. It's not like Duke is known for their football team. Um, plus, he was plagued by a bunch of drops as well. So that, that factors in. But, yeah, right, his numbers were just not there in college, not anywhere close to being a six. Six overall pick in the draft. Uh, they just don't even come close to me. I, I, I said this last night. I said it earlier on the BFF show on, on the Fantasy Network. Um, I would have much been much happier if they would have went after Rosen. You know, at, at this point, I would have been happy if they gave the 17th pick for Rosen. But it looks like you know they could have easily given their second round pick for Rosen uh, and, and gotten him with that. To me, that would have been much smarter move. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And obviously, there doesn't look to be a lot of teams interested. I guess everyone's pointing to Miami now for Rosen. And Rosen unfollowed Arizona on his social media accounts today. I mean, we all know he's not going to be there. But that's the problem is everyone else knows that they want to deal him, too. Do you think Miami is where he lands eventually? Well, Ian Rappaport is reporting that he thinks that a trade is going to be made on the clock tonight for Rosen with Miami. So, I, I mean, it makes sense. It, it does absolutely make sense. They're not going to have to overpay for him now. But it really comes down to still what it comes down to is how much can Arizona get for him. It, you know, it, I don't think they're going to want to take a third-round pick for this guy that they spent a top 10 pick on last year. They spent, you know, a lot of draft capital to move up to get him last year. Again, a totally different regime. I get all that. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know if they want to take a third-round pick for him now. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. They could easily, I know it's not going to be easy to have both of these guys on the same roster for a while, but they could easily keep them on the roster and wait till somebody else's quarterback goes down in preseason or, you know, training camp or anything like that. Or, you know, there's an issue along that way and a team gets desperate. Maybe they get a little bit more for him. But, yeah, it, it's a tough situation. Yeah, it really is, and I understand your point about waiting around. The problem is, how does Josh Rosen react to this? You know he's clearly unhappy. Like, how do you keep him on the roster? They're in a tough spot because teams know that they want to deal him tonight, and that's why you might only be able to get a third-round pick at best. Obviously, they want higher, but it's a situation where I think for both sides, it's best to just get him off the roster today. And it may very well be, and that's you know the decision they're going to be making right now. I'm sure they're sitting there trying to figure this all out themselves. Um, you know the fact that it was said that Steve Kime, the, the general manager of Arizona, didn't even start trying to talk to teams until the draft was basically going about Rosen. Uh, to me, that's a mistake. I get I get that they were still trying to keep it a secret that they were going to grab Murray, big secret as as it was, but there was still no guarantee they would. Um, so I, I guess they wanted to keep it a secret, but by doing that, they probably killed themselves getting any kind of value for Rosen. Yeah, that's for sure. And obviously it stems from who went number one, and that's Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterback. No secret here. There were some reports over the last few days that they might not go in that direction, but I think anyone who could read through the, the smoke signals there knew that Murray was going to go to the Cardinals with Cleef. Cliff Kingsbury speaking highly of Murray way back when, taking over the job, and of course he fits the offense. And there's a lot of people excited for Murray in fantasy. Obviously not the biggest quarterback, 
but the system, the air raid system, certainly fits him. There are some weapons there in Arizona, and they could obviously add maybe another receiver or two here in the draft, but what's your initial reaction to Murray going to Arizona? Is he someone that you see being a borderline QB1 in fantasy this year or a little bit lower than that? Oh, definitely not a borderline QB1. Sorry. I'm just not buying into that. Unless they make drastic changes over the next two days, um, they need to improve that offensive line by a long shot before I, you know, put Murray anywhere near that. Um, You know, you're looking at Larry Fitzgerald, who I love, but had a down year, of course, last year in that offense. But also, you know, there were thoughts that he was going to retire. They had to coax him back. Uh, Christian Kirk. Played very well for them, even on the outside when he was, you know, basically a slot receiver in college. But he played pretty well for them on the outside, but then got hurt. Um, You know, Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, not really a guy that, you know, I'm enamored with at tight end. They went out and got uh, Charles Clay as well. But, you know, just they do need to upgrade the weapons. Um, Larry Johnson, I, I still like. I expect him to have a better year than he had last year in this offense. If if they get creative like they're talking about, which I expect them to do, Larry Johnson should be a big part of that. So I like that. But this offensive line is has got to get better. Um, currently in, in early projections, I, I don't have Murray that high at all. I got him at 26 right behind Matt Stafford. Um, and just above Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami, which of course might change if they go after Rosen. But uh, yeah, I'm, you know, a lot of people are much higher than on Murray than I am. I think a lot of the reason why is number one, he's going to be a quarterback that runs, and we know that you really don't need to do much in the passing game in fantasy. See Lamar Jackson last year for you to have an impact in fantasy at a quarterback, and also because they expect a lot of plays to be run very up-tempo offense. So I think that's where the optimism from Murray stems is his ability to run. And I get that, but how many, you know, running quarterbacks have we seen come into this league, you know, and try the run and basically get beat down because of it? He's not a big guy. He doesn't have a lot of body mass. You know, he's definitely not a Cam Newton who can take that kind of beating, but even Cam got beat down by it. You know, I mean, look at Deshaun Watson getting beat up by his run you know, all the time. And, you know, I'm a little worried about that as well. I know he has a tendency to not take the big hits. We've heard about that, you know, for the last couple of months. And, oh, he has a tendency to work his way out of getting hit big. But, you know, that was against college-level talent. All of a sudden, he's going up against NFL-level talent, which I don't care what to say. They're bigger, faster, and heavier um, than they were in college. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can maintain that model. Is there anything, if they added some more weapons tonight, tomorrow, would that change your mind at all? You still feel that? It, 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 look, I, I like Murray as a quarterback. I, I definitely think he was the best quarterback in this draft. But, you know, let's face it, if, if you would have put Josh Rosen in this draft, he still would have went above all these guys, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of people had Rosen as, you know, their number one quarterback off the board last year. Um, so, you know, it. It's a tricky situation. Again, we we just don't know until we see him on the the field. And everybody's basing a lot on on Kingsbury's offense and, you know, the fact that this air raid offense is going to do such great things. But we just don't know. Uh, He's never done it at this level for us to even have any kind of hint. Yeah, and Rosen obviously showed flashes last year. He also made some really bad Mm -hmm. decisions. But it's only one year. So you – and – Oh, just now? Yeah, it looks like uh, that 
the trade has finally happened. So Rosen is going to Miami, as we all say it. So, yeah, multiple sources say the Dolphins are close to a deal for Josh Rosen, and it may be done. Arizona would get the number 48 pick from Miami. So a second-round pick, which is well, probably the best okay. they could do, right? Right, and it probably was the best they could do. Plus, like you said, they get him off the roster now. There's no back and forth between him and Murray. Uh, it makes it much easier for Kingsbury to, to run this offense without having to worry about, you know, Josh Rosen being a punk uh, and, you know, disrupting stuff. So it makes all the sense in the world. I'm, I'm surprised they still got a second-round pick out of him, but good for Miami. Yeah, and Rosen only cost $6.3 million over the next three years. So, obviously, the Dolphins still want a quarterback next year. Tank for Tua is the phrase going on down there. So, we'll talk a little bit more about this trade and the rest of the first round from last night and what it means for your NFL teams and from a fantasy perspective next here on Scout Fantasy Sports and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Rain dance! Make it rain. This kid played at Duke. It's not like he was ever going to play with the weapons or have the kind of protection. This guy took an absolute beating, and you know what? He got up. So he is certainly has a level of toughness and a demeanor that will fit New York, all right? But I will say this. This doesn't happen if Peyton goes, guys, You don't, don't waste your time on number six with this kid, all right? If you trust that Peyton Manning and the Peyton family know quarterbacks, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Back here is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis along with Jim Day, a.k.a. Taz. He's joining me for the first hour to break down the NFL draft. I'll talk baseball in the second hour as I'm here till 4 p.m. Eastern today. As we just said before the break, it looks like, uh, I don't know if it's official yet, but a lot of people are reporting that Josh Rosen traded to the Miami Dolphins, as we were talking about before it. And it looks like they're going to get a second-round pick, number 48, from Miami. So um, pretty much it was the clear landing spot for Rosen to go. And good for them for getting a second-round pick. A little surprise. We thought it might be a third, knowing that 
the team trading for Rosen had the leverage. Everyone knew that Arizona needed to get rid of him. So he'll go to Miami. And I, I still think Miami, obviously, I don't know if they think he's the answer. Uh, it's probably a stopgap because I still think they probably are going to be tanking this year uh, for Tua next year. See, but then it doesn't make sense to me because if that's really your plan, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a great guy for that. Yeah, so then why would they do this then? Just because he doesn't yeah. cost much? Uh... Right, that, and that's what I'm thinking. He, he, because the cost is so low, why not bring him in? Take a chance. All of a sudden, maybe he can be that guy. Look, uh, you know, said it before, a lot of teams had Rosen very high last year, and, you know, he got knocked down so bad because of the Arizona offense last year, but that offense was terrible all the way around. Um, they're, they're just not all on Josh Rosen. Sure, he made some bonehead plays, but all rookie quarterbacks do. But that offense was just terrible from the get-go, never got off the, the ground. And, you know, I, I equate it more to, you know, like Jared Goff, the, the, his start in his first year. And all of a sudden you give him a good coach and, and he's off to the races and one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Rosen makes maybe not that big a leap, but, you know, a, a much better leap if he gets a chance. So, it, it you know, I think they because the price was so low, um, they're going to take a shot and see what they got. Yeah, and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't cost much. And, like, who knows? You know, yeah, it was a bad year, but the setup was just terrible in Arizona. The offensive line, the coaching, and, you know, he did flash at times, making some good plays. He also made some bonehead plays. I saw uh, I was watching some highlights and uh, a play where he rolled to his right towards the sideline and instead of throwing it out of bounds, threw it across his body, not completely towards the middle of the field, but one of those plays where you are watching and you go, if you don't throw it out of the bounds, it's getting picked and it got picked. So there were mistakes like that, but that happens from rookies. Oh, absolutely. It happens from rookie. Heck, it happens from to people that have been around in the league for years. You know, trying to, sometimes when an offense isn't moving well, you try and put more pressure on yourself to make big plays happen, make things happen. And when you try to do that, that's when mistakes happen. So, I, I mean, we see that all the time, not just from rookies. But, yeah, I, I'm not ready to give up on Josh Rosen yet. Uh, you know, a lot of people are. Uh, the whole thing in Arizona last year was terrible. You know, you get a, a rookie quarterback, yet you got a defensive-minded head coach coming in. It, it just never seems to work. Uh, we saw a no surprise in number two. The Niners take Nick Bosa, defensive end from Ohio State. I know you're a big IDP guy. Do you expect Bosa to have an IDP impact this year? Hey, absolutely. If, as long as he can stay healthy, I do. Uh, you know, um, it, look, this kid is an impact player, but he needs to stay on the field. And that's been his, his boondoggle so far. He needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, look, I, I think he has every chance to be better than his brother. Uh, he has more moves than his brother. Seems to be quicker on his first step. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if he is an IDP monster, but he needs to stay healthy. The Jets at three take Quinn and Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. A lot of people regard him as one of the best players in the draft, and it was reported the Jets were trading, trying to trade out of the third pick, but obviously no takers. And the Raiders at four, we knew that they might surprise us. They took Cleveland Farrell, defensive end from Clemson. I saw him mostly mocked in the mid to late first round. Uh, I think everyone was stunned when the Raiders made this pick. Oh, and, and I was definitely one of them. But, you know, the more I'm you know, reading about it, the more I'm you know, thinking about it. Um, look, they're trying to build something from scratch. They're trying to build it up. They're trying to get a good 
solid base. And, you know, that's what he brings to them. This is a kid that on a very good national champion defense, you know, with had, what, three defensive linemen go in this first round alone. He was their leader. He was the guy that, you know, had control of that defense. He was the guy in the locker room that was always pumping everybody up and, you know, getting things done. Um, and he wasn't a bad player. Let's face it. You're talking about mid first round material anyway, <clears throat> and he's got no off field issues. He's supposed to be a high quality, high, you know, high type of guy that doesn't really bring any outside crap to the table. If that's all true, if that all works out, then I can't fault him for taking him at number four because he could be their base defensive leader for years. And then at five, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, goes to Tampa Bay. I think that's pretty much uh, what we knew uh, was going to happen, that they were looking for a linebacker. And how about Jacksonville? Josh Allen, who a lot of people thought might go three or four, he falls all the way down to Jacksonville uh, in that defense. Hey, they got to love it. They, You know, they had lots of holes. They got a lot of places they could fix. But, you know, getting that – that edge defender is going to be huge for them. And, you know, kudos for them that he, he felt in them. I, I know they liked him. I just didn't, don't think they expected him to fall that far. At eight, the Lions take tight end TJ Hawkinson, who a lot of people like a lot. He's a guy that can block. Uh, we saw him put up some good numbers. Uh, obviously, the second tight end uh, from Iowa to be selected in this draft, as we'll talk about Noah Fant a little bit later on as he went to Denver. And rookie tight ends, we've seen perennially struggle. There's an adjustment period going to the NFL. We have seen a couple recently have some success, but I think people are going to be excited. And if you look at the tight end position, you don't even really need to do much anymore just to be a tight end one. The position has gotten that bad. Do you think Hawkinson can be a tight end one this year, or do you think that he'll be a little bit overdrafted? Yeah, in, in my early projections, I got him at 13. Um, and it, no knock on him. I love this kid. I think this kid could be a, a, a major star. The fact of the matter is, I just think he landed in the wrong place. Um, you know, Detroit, they, they, they have made over the last, what, year and a half, two years, they've made that decision to become more of a run-first offense. Um, you know, and it, they just never seem to have a lot of success with tight ends. Um, you know, they pretty much picked Eric Ebron pretty close to this same place in the draft a couple of years ago for them. And it just didn't work out. Now, you know, maybe it was Ebron, maybe it wasn't. He, he had a lot of drops early on. Uh, but, you know, after the year he had last year, people are saying, well, maybe it wasn't Ebron. Maybe they just didn't use him right. And I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, it, Stafford's uh, yardage was way down last year. I know they had a lot of injuries there. They got rid of, uh, you know, their their guy in Golden Tate early on. Um, lost Marvin Jones for the season pretty much early on. Um, but, you know, I just – I don't love the landing spot. I love this kid, but I hate the fact that he landed in Detroit. Detroit ran one of the slowest offenses last year in the league. As you mentioned, they continue that they want to run the football more. On the other side, though, they did lose over 34% of their targets from last year. And here's one thing that I hear people say. They'll say, well, that team doesn't have a good history selecting that position. And, you know, you brought up Eric Ebron. They took Brandon Pettigrew and has worked out. Is that fair to say that? Or should we just look at the individual player separately from what the team has done in the past? 
Well, you know, if it's the same front office, then you you gotta you gotta add that to the equation when you're trying to think of it. You know, if they continue to make mistakes at a certain position, you know, basically a la John Elway at quarterback. Um, you know, he continues to make bad decisions at quarterback. You know, it, sometimes it is a thing. And, uh, you know, Detroit hasn't made a good decision at tight end in a while. But they did grab the best tight end in this class. My problem is, will they use him correctly? And that's where I get stuck. Yeah, and that's going to be the big question mark for sure uh, with him this year. I'm interested to see where he starts to go in early drafts because uh, there is some question as to – Detroit's offense, man. It's just there's some talent there. There's some pieces, but man, they just want to be this team that just runs the football primarily. And we don't see many teams do that anymore. We see so many teams open it up, and Detroit has that old school mentality, and it's not great for fantasy. No, it really isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, how far did Stafford fall as a fantasy quarterback last year? I mean, he was in the mid 20s when he was done. Um, so, yeah, it just. I don't know. Again, I just don't. And I said this on the BFF show just before this, you know, between him and Marquise Brown, to me, those were two great players that just landed in God awful spots. Yeah. And that's why it's important. You know, a lot of times we talk about these players before the draft and we'll rave about them. But if they wind up in a bad offense, then it obviously cripples your fantasy value, and that's why it's important to wait until see where their team, where they land, uh, the team context, because that's going to be key. Because in fantasy, we want stats. It's not about the talent. It's are they going to be in a system that utilizes their ability to, to put up the best stats? And a lot of times, we see that doesn't happen. And you know, a couple of examples already that we touched upon with that. Now, the one thing that I keep coming back to, to me, this this draft really emphasized that point because there, you know, in the skill positions, there weren't really any stars. I mean, you could look at, you know, 20 different mock drafts and, you know, or rankings lists of these players and every one of them would be different. There's no clear-cut standouts, you know, at running back, at wide receiver. I, I I think there was a tight end. I like Hawkinson over the other guys easily. But fans should be very good as well. Um, but, you know, especially at wide receiver or running back, there are no clear-cut standouts. So it really does come down to where they land, what kind of opportunity they're going to have in the offense that they're going to. Much more this year than I think in even previous years that I can remember. You know, it's funny you had brought up Stafford and how far far he has fell as a quarterback. So when I was out in Las Vegas for the Fantasy Football World Championship draft, I took Stafford as my QB1 real late, like round 13. And then right after, I took Pat Mahomes. Week one, Stafford started for me. Safe to say that Stafford was not in my lineup the rest of the year, <laughs> unless, and except Mahomes is by. But man, Stafford really did fall off big time, man. And I know in the past he's put up big numbers, but... It's why you have to pay attention to the offense, the coach, the philosophy, and you know they just didn't run any plays. They played this boring offense where he just didn't put up numbers. Well, all the other years that he where he was a fantasy asset, they didn't really have a running game. They had no runners they could really lean on, so it, it was him. It was up to him to move that offense. You know, now with Carryon Johnson there, who they really do like a lot, you know, that's going to really play into that. And, uh, you know, I, I just – it's hard for me to get really enamored with any of the pass catchers on Detroit for fantasy this year just based on what they did last year. What about Kenny Galladay? 
I'll take him, but he's got to fall a little bit because he's still going a little too early for me. Uh, in the early drafts I've seen so far, you know, he's still going in the, the sixth round. And I, I like Galladay, but in that offense, I can't take him that early. You know, it's funny. When you look back at Stafford, the one reason we loved him all those years, like you said, they had no running games. He just put the ball in the air so many times. Going back to 2011, these were his pass attempts, 663, 727, 634, 602, 592, 594. The last two years, 565, 555. And 555, right. Yeah, man, it's just really falling. I mean, he had 21 touchdowns last year in today's and era. Look, look at, if you look at the numbers between 2017 and 2018, he had 10 more attempts. But look how much more yardage he had. In the difference in those two years, it was a few hundred yards at least with just 10 more attempts. He had one yard per attempt less. He went to, from 7.87 to 6.81, man. It's, yeah. just, it's just pretty bad for him. Uh, the Bills, they get Ed Oliver, defensive tackle from Houston at nine. Uh, at least they got a good front uh, defensive line right now for the Bills. Looking pretty strong up there. Oh, absolutely! This defense was good last year. They're going to be, I, I, you know, I look. I, I like Oliver. He, he's going to be a playmaker for them. He's a disruptive force uh, in the middle, and he can make all kinds of plays. So, and he's a nasty cuss. So, I, I love that with a defensive lineman. I, I want a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder, ready to go out there and fight for it. We rarely see the Steelers make a move to move up in a draft and make a trade, but they did here. We were hearing murmurs of that yesterday, and they move up to ten to select Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. Uh, what are your thoughts about him? Oh, I, I think that was a great move by Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they've been looking for that, that you know, linebacker position, uh, you know, since they got Ryan Shazier and then lost him. You know, they thought he was going to be the guy that they were going to have for the next 10, 12 years as their mainstay. And then, of course, the big injury happens. So, I mean – they wanted to do something, and I can't fault them even a little bit for this pick. I think this guy is going to be an instant IDP stud in that defense. Now, you hinted a little bit earlier your feelings on Dwayne Haskins. The Redskins get him at 15, and there was a lot of talk that they were enamored with him and that they might trade up to get him, and just the way the draft broke, they didn't need to. So he falls to them. At 15, and there are some people who love Haskins. There are a lot of people who don't like him. He's got the size. He's 6'3", 231, uh, doesn't have great athleticism, does have a good arm and can throw downfield, but uh, had a big year last year, obviously, at Ohio State. Uh, this is the guy Washington wanted. My guess is he probably will start this year. They obviously have Case Keenum, Colt McCoy coming off an injury, Alex Smith, so he should get the opportunity to start, if not day one, pretty early, but... This is a team that, that's lacking a lot, but what is your concern about Haskins why you don't think he'll be a great pro? Well, you know, the one thing that I've always seen with him is if you get pressure on him, he folds. Um, he doesn't know how to deal with pressure. Um, you know, he, he's much better when he has a clean pocket. And while Washington has a decent offensive line, the last couple of years they've been dealing with a lot of injuries on that offensive line. So they need these guys to stay healthy and, and stay on the field. If they can keep keep him in a clean pocket. I think he'll do okay, but he just doesn't offer anything if that breaks down at all. Uh, you know, you, you can say that Eli Manning is a stiff in the pocket. I think Haskins is worse. Yeah. Do you think he will start from day one? 
I think there's a very good chance he starts from day one. Let's face it, we're talking Case Keenum here. Um, he hasn't really shown us anything in the last couple of years that makes me think he's a real starter in this league. I think he's a you know a really good backup because he's got experience at starting, but I don't think he's a starter in this league. I think they give Haskins every chance to beat him in preseason. Any shot you would draft him as a QB3 in a best ball draft? Sure, I, but then again, I draft pretty much any starter as a QB three in a best ball draft. Um, it, it just by the time you're talking QB three in a twelve team best ball left draft, I mean, you know, you're you're talking there's going to be what six teams that don't have a QB three. Yeah, that is true. So you know, well, even, four teams, four teams, and, and especially in a best ball draft, you know, there might be weeks where he does produce, and the weeks that he doesn't, you don't have to worry about it. So any starting quarterback. In a league that deep, when you're talking 24, 25, 26 rounds, is going to merit consideration. But you would take him over a guy like Keenum, correct? I I, I would um, at this point. I, I think they're going to, you know, they got the guy that supposedly they wanted. The problem here is they've only got two picks on day two tonight, um, both in the third round. Um, and then they don't have anything until the fifth, sixth, and seventh. They got a couple of picks, but we all know that. I mean, that's totally a dart throw, whether any of those guys stick or not. Um, problem is that they need to get some receivers on this team. Paul Richardson, Josh Doxson, they can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field. And even when they do, they haven't been all that productive. So they need to get him some weapons. All right, more NFL Draft Talk with Taz next here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. Daniel Jones is, forget his personality of unassuming. He was drafted because he was coached by the same guy that coached Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. Who cares? Eli Manning came out 15 years ago. Peyton Manning came out over 20 years ago. The NFL has changed, but Dave Gettleman has not changed with it. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern, joined by Taz. 
Jim Day until 3 p.m. Eastern talking NFL draft. And I know you guys are excited and you're itching to draft. Well, you can do that now. Head on over to playffwc.com. May Madness right around the corner. And we have dynasty startup drafts that you can sign up for. You can get a uh, orphan league taking over a dynasty league team. And, of course, our best ball drafts begin next week. And we'll begin to talk about them on this show. So, Maybe your team. Have could get you mentioned. seen any of those orphan teams? Some of those teams are stacked. Yeah, I, I can't understand why these people are leaving those teams. I'm like looking at some of these lineups. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who would leave this team? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's uh, unexplainable. I don't. Maybe they don't have the time to invest. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, wow, give me that team. I'll take that damn team. <laughs> yeah, especially if you can find a good one, because oftentimes you look at the teams and you're like, okay, I see why this guy gave it up. Yeah, right, right. And I get that. Some people don't like – I actually kind of like those kind of challenges, but most people don't. I get that. But some of the ones I've seen lately, I mean, one had – let's see, he had Mahomes, he had Bell, um, a couple of really good wide receivers. Uh, you know, I think he had Kittle at tight end. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get just those core players and, you know, work a couple trades, I mean, there you go. You're right in the mix. But that's just the way it goes. People do that kind of stuff all the time. And, you know, people, if you want to take over a dynasty team, I would look at those orphans first. Some, Not only do you get them as a, at a discount because they give you discounts on these orphan teams, some of these teams are just stacked. Yeah, so you can head over to DynastyKing.com, also PlayFFWC.com. We got a draft and go best ball, 75-second clock, 28-round draft, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. So uh, you can head over and sign up for that. There's still some spots. There's also draft and goes and uh, starter slow best ball drafts with a four-hour clock. So how do you feel about that now? It feels like people are getting very impatient. So we have a variety of different clocks. There's four hours. There's six hours. Uh, I know you've done a lot of slow drafts in the past. Like, what's the ideal time on the clock for a slow draft for you now? Uh, for a slow draft, you know, I mean, anywhere from four to six hours up, uh, on the clock. I mean, you got to hope people don't use that kind of time. But you call it a slow draft for a reason, so you got to give them some time. Some people actually work for a living and actually do their work at work. Unlike me, when I used to work, I used to do fantasy football like half my day. But uh, unfortunately, some people don't have it like that. <laughs> yeah, and I was in a baseball draft where the clock was two hours and people were complaining. Like I'm like, relax. Look, we're all anxious to make our pick, and we want to finish the draft so we can go into another one. But everyone has a different schedule, and this is from someone who is near a computer, a phone, constantly, obviously, because this is what I do for a living, and fantasy is, too. And I understand that not everyone has it like that, so just people have no patience nowadays. Yeah, no, everybody wants it now, 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 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it is what it is. You got to deal with it. But, you know, for people like that, they, they really shouldn't sign up for a slow draft. Do a live draft. You'll be much happier. <laughs> exactly. You know, I people complain about things and leagues, and I'm like, you know what you're getting into. You know the rules of the league, and don't complain. Like, I'm a commissioner of a baseball league, and a couple of people are upset. Well, really, one, at a recent trade, and – we have this rule in place for a trade. So basically how it works is a trade is agreed upon. It's posted on the message board, and the rest of the league has 48 hours to better the trade. 
Some people don't like it, others do. The reason why it's there is so you don't say, oh, my God, that was a horrible trade. That's one-sided. I would have given more. Okay, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Uh, so, you know what? The uh, thing I have to say to that person is, then why didn't you make a damn offer? Exactly. Or better than the offer. And you knew this, and you played in the league last year, so don't complain. And it's the same thing with a slow draft. You know it's a two-hour clock, four-hour clock, six, whatever it is. If you don't like it and you're going to text and put in the chat room, hurry up, where's this guy? Like you said, do a live draft. You don't have the patience to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> know, know what you like, people, and go for that. Don't, don't do things that you know are going to piss you off and, and then complain about it. Exactly. Same with dating. You know the type of women you like. Go after them. Simple. Or men, whatever. There's yeah, whatever. Wrong with yeah. That. yeah, whatever you prefer. So, <laughs> all right, let's skip back to this draft. So at 20, the Broncos take tight end Noah Fant from Iowa, the second tight end as Hawkinson was also there. 6'4", 250. Obviously looks like there should be opportunity for him to start right away, and we know that Joe Flacco loves going to the tight end. So what do you see as his value for this season? I'm with you. You know, Flacco definitely likes to throw to the tight end, and, and Fan is that guy. Um, he, he's not much of a blocker, but they're not looking for. They won't be looking for him to block. Um, you know, that, that's not what they brought him in for. They brought him in to give, you know, Flacco some tight end help that they could use. And you know, Ewman didn't do too bad. You know, Jake Butt was supposed to be that guy before he got injured, but neither one of them, you know, is as good as Fant is now. Um, and Fant will only get better. So I, I think it was a good selection for them. He should get more playing time. Um, I, I just the, the non-blocking does bother me in, in one way in that, you know, Hawkinson will stay on the field more because he does block than Fant will. And, you know, some of those plays as, you know, designed that look like he's going to be a blocker will turn into passes. So, you know, that, that plays into his, his strengths as Hawkinson. Fant won't be on the field every play because he doesn't block. So, but, you know, again, it really comes down to, yeah, is Flacco truly done? I mean, he was playing pretty decent football to start it last year before he got hurt. It seemed like them bringing in Lamar Jackson lit a, a fire under his butt. He was playing better football and then, of course, got hurt. Um, and then, you know, once they went to the rookie, they were going to stay with the rookie. There was no doubt about that. Uh, they, they wanted him in there. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what Flacco has. Flacco seems to think he's still got it. Uh, again, we're talking about a John Elway quarterback pick. We we shall see. <laughs> so you see Font more as a tight end two this year? Uh, let's see. I'll tell you exactly where I have him. Uh, give me one second. And these are rankings that people can find on FFChamps.com? We're working on putting them up now. Uh, yes, absolutely. We're we're once the draft is fully over, we should have all of these done and put together. Um, right now, I have uh, Font at, uh, at number 15, right behind Jared Cook. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, tight end, too. Certainly uh, with a little bit of upside there as right. well. Right. He, he has, definitely has a chance to pop into the top 12. But more of that's going to come on you know, whether this offense uses him enough and whether or not Flacco can make it happen. Then we see the first running back go to the Raiders. I think everyone pretty much had this in their mock drafts. Josh Jacobs, he goes to the Raiders. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch retiring. Uh, they did not re-sign Doug Martin. So there's a lot of opportunity here. Of course, they still have Jalen Richard and Washington, and we've seen those guys be around forever. But do you see Jacobs being the three-down back here and getting a lot of volume? 
I think he'll, you know, yeah, he's definitely the guy that's going to get the majority of the carries, no doubt about it. But they still have Jalen Richard there who's going to take some of that passing down work away. Uh, he did a great job for them last year. Um, so he'll still get some of that. But Jacobs is a very dynamic receiver as well. So no guarantee that you got to take him off the field on third downs or passing downs. They can still leave him in. But they're not going to just totally drain Jalen Richards after the year he had for them last year. So he will take some of that. But uh, I, I like Jacobs. Uh, I liked him coming into the draft. I think he landed in a great spot. I mean, it's not like defenses can stack the box when you're dealing with Antonio Brown uh, you know, and Tyrell Williams on deep on the outside. Where do you see him being selected in redraft leagues? Uh, right now he's going in like the late fourth, early fifth. Um, I would expect as we get closer to August and, you know, he fully solidifies the fact that he is their starter, that's going to move into the third round because I think he's got that kind of talent and they have that kind of need. Yeah, you got to think he's based on what they have now that he's going to get the workload. And uh, we might not see many running backs being drafted in this class really be in a position to have a, a bigger workload as Jacobs will have. No, and I'm with you on that. I, I the, you know, uh, I right now again we I talked about this earlier that this class is really dependent on where they land. Uh, still, you know, a couple of teams out there that need running back help. You know, really good help that somebody that can come in and start. So there's still a chance, but it's dwindling. <laughs> Uh, the Ravens select the first receiver off the board at 25, Marquise Brown, and. You know, he had an injury, he had a Liz Frank injury, so we didn't see him uh, perform in his measurables. He did lose some weight, too. Uh, probably that was because of the injury. And we know this offense really did not do anything in the passing game. I mean, John Brown was off to a really good start last year. Lamar Jackson came in, and John Brown became irrelevant in fantasy. I mean, it was pretty bad. Uh, he was about 50%. Uh, on his rate with Flacco, but after uh, Flacco was gone, he had caught just nine of 29 targets from Jackson. Uh, obviously, maybe he improves a little bit, but this is not the ideal landing spot for a guy like Marquise Brown. You agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. I hate this landing spot. You know, and and when they called his name, he was crying. And people say he was crying <laughs> tears of joy because he was selected in the first round. I'm saying he's crying tears of pain because he got selected by Baltimore. <laughs> um, let, let's face it. Lamar Jackson, you know, came onto the fantasy scene last year, not because he could throw the ball, but because he ran well. Um, and that's going to be his case. He, he is a much better runner than he is a passer. Um, he's got a good arm. He can throw the ball. He's just not very accurate. And it's going to be interesting to see how they play Marquise Brown. Do they use him on the short stuff and let his legs, you know, and athleticism do the rest after the catch or do they try to make him go downfield if they try to make him go downfield i think they're going to lose they need to get him involved in the short passing game you know jet sweeps things like that where he can use that speed and that agility to make plays because going down the field has not been lamar jackson's strong point yet yeah and obviously he can improve but it's going to take a substantial jump and we just saw no fantasy value from those receivers last year like there was not a week where you said, oh, Lamar Jackson's on our center. Yeah, I'm going to start a Ravens wide receiver. They were pretty <laughs> much just – they're right. You couldn't start them. I mean, I had no, John not, Brown. Not even close. Yeah, I agree. I was excited for John Brown earlier in the year, and then once that happened, I said, well, I got to drop him now because I'm not going to play him. So what's the point of rostering him? 
The only the only way I'll roster Marquise Brown this year is in a best ball league, very late. Yeah, as that's a true. chance that he gives you three, maybe four good weeks on that's, the season. I was exactly going to say three. I was going to yeah. say in case he gives you three good games. You know, there could be uh, maybe somehow he gets wide open and it's a play action and Lamar spots him and actually gets him the ball and it's a 66-yard touchdown. Or as you mentioned, they find a way to utilize him in short space and he's able to do things after they catch. But you're right, in a redraft league, unless you see substantial changes to this offense, I just don't see how you can count on a receiver in this offense. Yeah, no, it, it, it's very tough for me. I, I hated seeing him go to Baltimore. I think it was a total mistake. I know they're trying to give their young uh, quarterbacks some more weapons. I get that. But I, I just, I, man, I would hate it if I was a wide receiver to get drafted by Baltimore right now. Now, I know the Patriots have not done a good job of drafting wide receivers, but I really like them taking Nikhil Harry at 32 to close out the first round. I think he's one of the better receivers in this class. He's got the size. He can play the slot. He's going to the Patriots. Now I know it's a very difficult system to learn. We've seen receivers come in there and struggle. But I really like the Patriots getting Harry here. What is your thoughts on Harry going to New England? I like Harry, but basically Harry is a younger, right now I would imagine, probably a little better version of Demarius Thomas, who they just got. Um, and you're talking about working him in the slot, which is basically where Ju Julian Edelman feeds. You know, so I... Look, he's on the Patriots, so the upside is always possible. Um, you know, it's just always possible. You, you have to take that into account. But, you know, they, they're still holding on to Josh Gordon. There's a chance people are already speculating that Gordon may be back this year. Who knows? Um, so I'm a little iffy here. I'm a little iffy here. I, I Look, I like the guy. If they get him in the lineup and they actually play him well, I think he could have a good fantasy year. But, man, I'm not loving it. A hundred percent. How about long-term in dynasty leagues? Uh, yeah, I, I have to envision he takes, you know, one of those outside roles more early on and runs with it. Uh, again, he's not going to unseat Edelman in, in the slot with all that Edelman's done. He is their guy. Uh, so if he can work the outside and do it productively, then absolutely. I think he's a great steal right now. He's probably going to go in rookie dynasty drafts. He's probably going to go in the top five. For sure, and I think you'll see him go one or two in a lot of leagues. And the other story from last night that was not part of the draft and kind of broke about an hour before that draft, and that was Tyreek Hill. Uh, obviously, no charges were pressed, but there was audio that leaked between him and his wife and basically where it revealed that he hit his son, and it's just not good. The Chiefs obviously put out a statement today and that they decided at this time in the foreseeable future that Tyreek Hill will not take part in any team activities. They're going to gather more uh, information and evaluate. But with the NFL and the decisions they made, I mean, you got to think Tyreek Hill it, it might miss the whole year. Uh, at, at this point, he may lose his NFL career. Um, simple as that. Uh, just because of that recording. I mean, uh, one day they come out, they said they can't press charges. The next day the television station comes up with this recording. Now, you know, the fact that uh, in the recording, it, you know, talking about him beating his son, well, that was all said from the wife, uh, the well, the boy's mother. I don't know if they're even married yet, the boy's mother. So I'm not sure about that. But the fact that he went out and said, well, you, you need to be terrified of me too, biatch. Um Definitely isn't going to help his cause. NFL's been waiting to, to suspend him anyway. This is just going to make it easier for them.
Yeah, and we shouldn't be surprised by this. I think people forget what he did in college where he kicked his pregnant girlfriend. So there's and tried a to choke her. Yeah. So, and we saw how quickly they acted with Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think they realized that Tyreek Hill is a little bit more important to their team. But if they're going to take the same moral stance they did with Kareem Hunt, there was video, they got to act quick here too, right? I'm pretty sure they will. I don't think at this point there's any reason for them not to. Like I said, had the stuff that before he was drafted with the girlfriend, um, and the NFL couldn't do anything about it because he wasn't drafted yet. Now they can. Yeah, it's just it's a terrible situation too. Uh, you hate to see this. It's disgusting, and I know we're obviously talking from a football perspective here, but this is just you hate to see this. Uh, it's a terrible thing to happen with a kid. Yeah, absolutely. The the problem I still have is we really, I mean, honestly, I I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, but we still have absolutely no proof that he's done it. No absolute proof. And, that, you know, we've become a society where we're guilty b- before we're proven innocent. Yeah, unfortunately, you are correct. That is right. And there should be more of an investigation to make sure that this is true. Again, it doesn't sound good, but uh, you're right. There is no substantial proof, but it doesn't sound good. And I think people look, no, at, his his, people look at his history. And you're, and so, it's the NFL, so we know they're going to suspend him. Oh, at the yeah. very least, it's going to be at least a six-game suspension. For sure. That's no doubt about it. Taz, thank you for joining me for this hour. Uh, always good talking to you, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, sir. Talk to you soon. All right. More baseball in the hour ahead here on Scout Fantasy Sports.